This is Jeremy McFarland for the Footballers Family Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Now, if there's a team in the history of the NFL that has been beaten down more than the Detroit Lions, I haven't found them yet. The fan base of the Detroit Lions is one of the most dedicated and patient of all the sports. I give them all the credit in the world for being this way. The Lions began play in 1928 at the Portsmouth Spartans in Portsmouth, Ohio. In 2020, the Lions began their 91st season in the NFL, making them one of the oldest franchises in the NFL. In 1934, George Richards bought them for $8,000 and moved them to Detroit, renaming them the Lions. Also in 1934, the Lions started playing on Thanksgiving Day, a tradition that spans to this very day. The Lions have won the NFL championship in 1935, 1952, 1953, and 1957. They also have won eight division titles and have been to the playoffs 18 times. In the 1950s, the Lions signed a quarterback by the name of Bobby Lane, who helped them win three championships. In 1958, the Lions traded Lane, who, according to legend, cursed the team, saying they wouldn't win a championship for 50 years. In 2008, the year the curse would end, the Lions went 0-16. In 1963, the Ford family bought controlling interest in the Lions for $4.5 million. Today, the Lions franchise is worth $2.1 billion. Talk about a good return for your investment. In 1989, the Lions drafted Barry Sanders third overall. All he would do is rush for 15,269 yards, making him the third overall in total rushing in NFL history. The Lions have an overall record in the regular season as of 2020, of 567 wins, 681 losses, and 33 ties, with a playoff record of seven wins and 13 losses. They have six retired numbers, and 14 members of this organization have made it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Interesting facts. Marvin Gaye, the great Motown singer, tried out for the Lions. Didn't make it, but he still tried out for the Lions. The Lions were the opponent in 1970 when Tom Dempsey, the kicker for the New Orleans Saints, kicked a 63-yard field goal, setting a record for the longest football in NFL history at the longest field goal, I should say, in NFL history at that time. And Matt Millen is never talked about in polite company in Detroit. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Footballers Family Podcast as we talk to Arnie Chapman, the football history dude himself. Please subscribe to this podcast, and while you're at it, head over to the Sports History Network website at sportshistorynetwork.com and look at all the other great content we have to offer. And we'd like to welcome everybody back to the Footballers Family Podcast, and I have a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, Jeremy. My name is Arnie Chapman. I'm the uh, host of the Football History Dude podcast and uh, I guess recent founder of the Sports History Network as well. Yeah, I, I gave him the moniker Godfather and I don't know, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's stuck. So you, you're, you're going to have to stick with it. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll stick with whatever it is. I, uh, I Whatever you want to call me, all I know is we got a lot of great partners on the network and they're what makes it happen. <laughs> well, we, we'll make him an offer. He can't refuse. Now, Here's the thing, Arnie, and, and sometimes I feel for people 
<laughs> I just I just have a hurt deep inside for people. And there's a reason why I'm hurting for you now. Would you like to tell everybody why you're on? I'm going to go ahead and take a stab at it, probably because as I look around at my room right here, I have at least seven or eight different things I can see with Detroit Lions logos on it. Does that have anything to do with it? Well, I can't see your room. I see <laughs> I see your background. But uh, one thing I love to see is when I, when I talk to people, I get to see their rooms. Well, I can't see your room, but... Uh, if you've ever listened to the football, uh, the football history dude podcast, he talks about his lines a lot, and that's why I have him on because um, there are very few people in this world who will actually admit to be a Lions fan. That makes <laughs> yeah. that means that you are brave. I may be brave, dumb, um, uh, misinformed. I don't know what word you want to use, but yes, I'm a diehard Kool Aid Blue kind of drinking guy. I, I respect. No, seriously, in all seriousness, I respect that. Um, why are you a Lions fan? Um, it's all going to go back to the roots. And you, like you said, you've listened to the show. Um, my It all starts with, as far as my family goes, my grandpa, um, who actually just turned 90 about a week and a half ago or so. And he's been, uh, yeah, exactly. Gramps is 90 years old. So we, we get to celebrate that mile marker there. And as a Detroit Lions family, just all, all, all since I've been born. So I guess this could be story told however you wish you way, but he, he fell into love with the sport and, of course, passed it on to my father. And just as I was born, that's all it was. Every Sunday you're watching the Lions. And then what really probably tipped the cap for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably everybody can say this. They have their own special player that growing up. I was born in 85. Barry Sanders was drafted to the Lions in 89. So when I was growing up, I can't remember an early game without having Barry Sanders with the Lions. And when you have a guy like that, that's that special as your number one player. So I probably had 55 jerseys, uh, Barry Sanders by now that it's, it's easy to grasp onto it. I, I, I would almost probably liken it to maybe the Chicago Bulls fans with Michael Jordan, except for the victories and all the championships where it was just the guy is clearly the best at the position at that time. And what arguably the best of all time. So it's, it's easy to grasp onto that for me. And that's really uh, how it went from there. Well, and that makes sense. Uh, the one thing I understand about fandom, my, my dad wasn't a football fan, isn't a football fan. So I started to follow the Vanderbilt Commodores, which is not much of a football team anyway. But when the Titans came, I, I can understand about grasping hold of a team and holding on to it. Uh, but you say Barry Sanders really – you're not a Scott Mitchell fan? <laughs> well, uh so in 95, they did have the number one offense in the league, but I wouldn't say that was Scott Mitchell's doing. He just happened to benefit. Uh, I'm not saying Tannehill benefits only because of uh, Derrick Henry, but the same concept there. You got that play action going and, you know, he can make anybody look good behind scrimmage there. Yeah, it, it, you you know what it's like to have a workhorse running back. And I'm kind of concerned about next year, you know, with a 2,000-yard rusher, they kind of fall off the next year. And we found that out with uh, with Chris Johnson a few years ago. Yeah, historically speaking, when you have that much wear and tear, but the dude is a different kind of beast. I mean, he's just, when he runs in, a, he's a man amongst boys. I, I I remember, I don't remember what, if it was a podcast or where it was, and they were like bashing Henry like his first year about not being that good, but then another guy was saying, well, they never put him on the field, and I didn't know much about him until actually started Really, when he came into fantasy prominence, is, is you know I, I I don't follow college that well, and when I was able to actually watch a game and highlights, I'm like, how is this guy not the next beast mode? I mean, he's just just he, head and shoulders above everybody. 
that he they drafted him in the second round. We'll get back to the lines. They drafted him in the second <laughs> round, and they had Demarco Murray, and it was uh, Murray's show. And Eddie that's George, what it was. Eddie George really took him to task, and now you see what happens. But going back to Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders, and if you were to compare Barry Sanders to Derrick Henry, they're two different. They're two different people. Barry Sanders had uh, what I like swivel hips. I mean, I, I watch him kind of jump stop, and then his hips would go one way and his body would go the other. And you're like, what is he doing? And then he's gone. <laughs> yeah, the best play probably is that one where against the Patriots and he's taken that guy. And I think the dude spun around like three or four different times, but then there's also that playoff game in the Cow- the Cowboys playoff yes. game where the guy just falls down and buckles at his knees and they always, you know, ju- juked him out of his jackstrap type of thing. But yes, it was... I think his hips did transport from one side of the field to the other because normally you can watch a player's hips, like you said, and you can tell where they're going, but Barry Sanders, that was not the case. Well, that's – and Barry Sanders, uh, I believe he is third all-time rushing and should have been first. How did you feel when he retired early? So going back to what I said, when I grew up, I only knew Barry Sanders. Like To me, it was – the NFL football, Barry Sanders is football. That That's the NFL, period. You're, you're just going to watch him. Plus, plus his longevity. He I don't know how many games he really missed in his career, but it was very few and far between. And every single game, I'm watching the Lions, watching Barry Sanders, watching the Lions, watching Barry Sanders. And then that year when he retired, I would have been 6th, 7th, 7th, 8th grade, something like that, right before high school. And it, I, it, it was one of those moments where, like, if you you lost a friend almost because – they were there one day, and even though there was some scuttlebutt, and then he goes off to France, comes back, and then he's not there. He's not playing anymore, and it's like you're – I was more uh, shocked, maybe is the right word. I mean, I was devastated as I realized halfway through the year that, yeah, he's actually not coming back. And then every year, probably for the next three or five years because he's still physically fit, I always held on to that hope, like, he's coming back. Like, it wasn't even for one point like a hope. It was just an expectation, sort of like how Michael came back. Maybe, the, you know what? What year did Michael come back? I wonder if that's why. Was it in the mid-90s when Jordan came back? Yeah, he spent the two years playing baseball, but I think there was more to it than that. Right, and maybe that's why. Now, so you've unlocked some of my inner peel-back-the-curtain moments, and I didn't even realize it. I wonder if that's why I always held hope slash almost an expectation that the greatest basketball player just needed a hiatus. And I was younger at the time. I didn't really understand, you know, the whole aspect of all the other things going behind the sports. So maybe that's why in my mind, I just, so you just uncover something. Maybe that's why I thought just in my mind, Barry's coming back. He's going to be back in the field and we're going to have another quarterback and we're just going to go on and finally win a playoff game with me. (laughs) Well, he, it, it looks like a guy like Barry Sanders could take his whole team and just win with him. But the problem, he only plays one side of the ball. He only plays one side of the ball, and the other, the defense was really what was letting you down from time to time during his here during his heyday, especially during the playoffs. Yeah, I mean historically, and even nowadays with uh, Stafford, that's another guy that I'll plant my flag on. And when he leaves, if he leaves, if they trade him, I I'm still a Lions fan, no doubt. But just like when Jay Cutler left for you, you were still a Cutler fan. I'm. Whatever team Stafford goes to, if they do trade him, that I will be that team's fan for at least a while. I'm still looking for a Dolphins Cutler jersey, but you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm still finding one of those. So, so tell me a little bit of history for the Lions. They weren't always the Detroit Lions. 
Oh, sure. No, there's a team called uh, Port, or there's a city called Portsmouth, Ohio, and uh, founded. Geez, I want to say the team was founded back in maybe '32. Honestly, I can't remember the. You put me on the spot here, but they moved to Detroit in '34. GA Richards, uh, NBC executive, he brought them there, purchased them, and then decided that really he's the one that kind of refueled, kindled the Thanksgiving deal you know and that was like the whole let's because he was executive through nbc let's let's have this like nationally broadcast game he brings them there you have dutch sternum or uh, dutch clark and you have these different type of teams and then from there they just kind of started taking leaps and bounds and moving into it uh geez the 50s would have been our heyday really you know i was gonna ask you about that uh what is this curse of bobby lane Something to do with when they, they, you know, he's gone. He cursed you for the next 50 years. You're never going to win and stuff like that. But that's been gone and done, I think, two or three years ago. And apparently the curse wasn't the reason why the Lions. It's, it's something to do with what they call. <laughs> there's a there's a truck that was like the number one sales for like the longest time. It might still be. And there's like this little blue oval on it. That might be the reason why the Lions haven't won too many playoff games. Oh, you, you hit close because I got two of those in my parking lot in my driveway. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, a team to me. I, I heard it said recently that players win games, coaches lose games. And that owners can lose everything. Yeah, I would say owners implode franchises could be another one too. And just they hold, maybe they hold the glass down on top of them and suffocate them to not allow it to rise the top. I don't know what way to put it, but now, yeah. Well, you, you could consider this free uh, psych, uh, you know, psychology here, you know, <laughs> right. therapy. Um, tell us how you feel about the Fords. <laughs> um, so depending on where they're going to let me come into their organization in the near future, no, I, I, I really don't have anything qualms directly with them, but I, I'm from an outsider's perspective looking in, I feel like it's a family who is not a football family that happens to have this team that they can slap their logo all over. And then maybe the old man, when he first took it over, that was part of it. But now it's more of just an advertising venue versus a let's maybe then they're bringing in Chris Spielman and Barry Sanders, right. To help hopefully bring in football people. I, I don't know where that wouldn't have worked before, but in my mind, it's not like the Hallis family that it, it was initiated. The roots were there for football, right? Cause George Hallis was there at the beginning. So throughout it's a football family and uh, I can't say bad things about people. They're, they're, you know, a great company, but just not a football company. I don't think. Well, I was thinking that you got you got rid of Jim Caldwell, who had a pretty good run. You got Matt Patricia, and he did what typical New England Patriot coaches do. He he doesn't do very well. But a few years ago, you ended up getting a guy. What was his name? Matt Millen. Did you spend oh, every my time you say that name? Yeah, that's one of those like you know how the whole put your bag over your head kind of moments. Yeah, that that was that's a cringe kind of moment name right there for you. And you had about three years in a row where you tried to draft wide receivers to go along with a with a pretty good one on the other side, if I remember correctly. We tried to draft a Madden team, I guess is what it was, because when you draft in Madden, you always leave the offensive lineman and you leave it all for last, and you just go after those those receivers but yeah no it the homeboy with uh he's a hometown guy with Ch- uh, charles charles uh charlie rogers yes you know talent but other things didn't win out mike williams roy williams 
I mean, Roy had an okay career. He just, he was never a, a number one. Of course, then Megatron comes in down the road and I'm pretty sure that wasn't Matt Millen, but I don't want to not give him any kind of credit. I don't remember the timeline there. Now, now Megatron is really, uh, you know, he is really the guy that if I think of the Lions, I think of him and Barry Sanders. I think it, uh, Alex Karras. I think of uh, Bobby Lane. I even, you know, Matt Stafford. Who do you think, if you could have a piece of granite and you could make your, your uh, Mount Rushmore of uh, Lions players and owners and coaches, who would you put on there? Um, you kind of named most of them because of just there's, – there's a couple different ways I could go about that. I'm going to go with my personal experiences because of, like you said, like this is football's family and my experiences. Uh, Barry Sanders, by, so he takes up three heads – and then we'll leave room for one more guy. <laughs> but no, seriously, yeah. So Barry Sanders, obviously, there's Megatron in there. Um, personally, I'm going to go with Herman Moore as another oh, one. Oh, yeah. I was Are thinking he, of him. He was a pretty solid guy, too. Yeah, he held the receiving record for receptions for a little bit there. And it might have been that year of 95 when they were the first team to have two 100 uh, receivings with Brett Perriman. And one reason why I hold him in high regard is because at the time, of the Lions. So they had training camp at our our local place here for five, six, seven years. I'm not sure how many years it was. And after practice, you know, they would come out of the, the practice field towards their tunnel. And most players would walk down the stream of thousands of fans and they would maybe stop, grab a couple autographs, stop over here, grab a couple autographs. Well, maybe we'll talk about me getting Barry Sanders twice in one day later. But Herman Moore, even though at the time he was arguably the second highest rated pro bowl type star on the team, even though in, behind Barry Sanders, of course, even though he was that the guy will stop for autographs. He would go into the locker room and he came out after everything else. You know, he maybe took a quick shower, grab a bite to eat or something like that. And we're talking quite a bit after practice multiple times. And he would sit there, just sign autographs, take photos, you know, with kids and stuff for, for, in my mind, I'm, I'm a little kid, so granted, this might have felt like it was hours thinking that this six foot three or four dude was just amazingly, you know, awesome to do this. I've got a photo with me and my cousin, and it's like dark out almost. And then that's how late afterwards he stayed. And just something that, to me, a guy that didn't have to do that, and he was the second best athlete in his family, by the way. His wife was a, a, a like Olympic star athlete, high pole vaulter and all that kind of thing. But just just from a personal perspective, thinking of what that guy could have easily just walked walked around past people and people would have still loved him. But no, he stuck around for his fans. And by the way, he happened to be the best player on the team next to Barry Sanders as far as talent-wise it goes. Uh, would I give you three or two? I, gave I'm, you three. I, I got two right there. Okay. I mean, Stafford's going to be an easy one just because of how long he's been there. And I am such a Stafford truther. I, I believe that he's a guy that sticks around. Now I'm going to give you one. This last one, is it going to make any sense probably for a long term? but there was about a 14 to 15 month window where this guy was my favorite player. Have you heard of DeAndre Levy? Yes, actually. That's awesome. Cause when I normally say that, do you know what his nickname was by chance? The Mr. hammer. Levy. No, it was the hammer. So, the hammer. so he's a linebacker, 54. I have his jersey. Unfortunately, he had to not play the year after I got the jersey. But it used to always, every time they'd make a play, I was, there's a song called Let the Hammer Fall. And I'd always be, Let the Hammer Fall. And I just, 
I had that connection with him because of the style of play that he had. And he was great for, I think he might've been a pro bowl, but that would be my one year window snapshot of my favorite player. That was outside of like a Barry Sanders type of player. I don't know how many I gave you now. (laughs) No, that's good. See, and I was going to ask you, do you have Barry Sanders autograph, but you say you have two in one day. Yeah. So I, I was okay. They have the morning practice and then they have the afternoon practice on the morning practice. We came out and they were just barely, you know, they Barry was a great individual, but obviously everybody wanted his autograph. So he would be walking by, he'd grab, he'd, he'd walk down, grab it. And not too many people would get his autograph. So I got lucky, got the football out there to him. And then on the second practice, there was this little side area, we'll call it. I don't know. It was like only a little bit, there's only like a rope off with only a few people and my dad's like, Hey, go over there. Maybe you'll get lucky and he'll come over your way. And sure enough, we went over there. So I got a card and a football autograph for Barry Sanders. And just I th- that day was as a little kid, you thought it was the coolest thing in the world. You know, that's one thing I, I'm planning. If we, if COVID is, has died down in August when the Titans have their training camp, I'm thinking about taking my seven year old up there and say, Hey, she wants this autograph. Daddy, I don't know who these people are. Just, just, just right. Exactly. Because, that's the you know, way to go. You know, the 41-year-old me handing a football over, they'll look at me and say, really? <laughs> really? I said, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, the one thing I, I, I love watching, uh, I love watching the old uh, 90s, 80s and 90s uh, playbacks when the Lions are playing on, on Thanksgiving. And watching those games, just, just they do something for me. Uh, especially watching Barry Sanders run on Thanksgiving. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a, a rooting interest in it, except for one year, I think 2008, uh, the Titans played Barry Sanders, you know, played, well, not, played the Lions. And I benched Chris Johnson for some reason. And he, I think he ran almost 200 yards that day. And for some reason on my fantasy team, I benched Chris Johnson. Now who's, who's the bad GM here? It's not Matt Millen. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> was that the year or was it 2009 that he broke? That That's he- it. It was 2009. It was, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a bad day to bench Chris Johnson, but that's gotta be something special that your team is on every Thanksgiving. It's one of those things where I think uh, it's very special, but at the same time, because I grew up in it, that was just, you. it, it just always was. I don't know if it's as special for me as it might be for a team, like a, maybe when they first started it, someone that was already watching their team for 30, 40 years, and then it's a new tradition. I mean, it's, it, it's very special, but no doubt, but I just, it always was, I guess is the best way to put it. And I just, I expect it. Maybe there's that little bit of a uh, expect. And, and then of course we, we haven't been that good lately. So a lot of times we lose and we just, you know, maybe that you're not looking forward to it as much. <laughs> I think y'all need to go and see if you can get Tua from Miami. I think, I think that he would be an awesome pickup for y'all if you can get him. Um, I don't know yet. I, I'm i not sold on him, but then again, I haven't watched enough of his games to be able to. I, I'm, just, I'm feeling a little bit proud today because of, of my Tide and what they did yesterday. It was just, <laughs> you know, it just feel a little bit proud. Right, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, of course, you're talking to someone that, and again, I don't follow college that much, but with – with uh, Michigan and Ohio State. So that's their number one rivals is the whole Ohio State, Michigan. So beating down on them like that, I'm sure everybody in my neck of the woods, they're all jumping for joy nowadays. Well, that's that. Well, how would you like to end 
today, Mr. Arnie. How would you like to end with uh, what what words of wisdom would you like to tell other Lions fans that may be listening? Well, I'm going to leave it with a couple of things. First, I want to say you, Jeremy, thank you very much because you are one of them that gave me fuel for my fire for this podcast from the jump, from the beginning. I could remember recording, I want to say my second or third episode. I don't know what it was, but I was recording in a little closet. And I remember you messaging me and saying, hey, man, I like your show. And I don't know the exact verbiage, but you were saying, keep it up. And I was like, huh, somebody's actually reaching out to tell me, keep it up. And I only have a couple, two or three episodes in. It was very cool to have that fuel for the fire. And then you just kind of stuck with it forever. And now you have your own show. And I think you have a great show that people can latch onto because you have that passion and drive. And like I said, you were the first one that put out your, my football, my favorite football moments. And you're the number one stunner when it comes to on my show, you know, you've had what four or five of them by now. And I can relate as far as a fan going back to Detroit lions, uh, anybody that's a lions fan out there. Uh, let's just go ahead and have faith in Chris Spielman. That dude's a football guy. And I feel like they're going to give him, the autonomy to be able to say, nope, this is the type of person you need. And we finally have what I will call a football guy running the show, or at least kind of half running the show versus just um, a Matt Mellon. He's a football guy, but that's not a different kind of acumen. So I really, uh, I drink the blue Kool-Aid every year. We're going to have a chance. Playoffs or uh, NFL draft. That's our season, baby, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate the kind words and keep in mind, um, the best part about August is that every team is equal and you don't know what team will catch fire. The problem that you have and the problem that I have with the AFC South is that we have a lot of teams that can compete. Uh, the, the bears, the Vikings, the Packers, um, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people say the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, that's gotta be hard to compete in that division. Yeah, I uh, I take it as every every year is a new year, every game's a new game, and just take it one play at a time, and don't worry about your competition. And I think it was Marcus Aurelius, was it that talked about? There's so many things that could go on in your life, and there's so many different things, but you just focus on that next little task because that's the only thing you give out. You give all you can to that one next little task because every little task that's the only thing that you can focus on and work on at that point in time then all these little tasks build up and then the outcome becomes well what the Patriots had for so long. And hopefully that's what we can get, get to at some point in time. Uh, here. If y'all, if you have any say, uh, Arthur Smith, our OC is an amazing play caller. Didn't do so hot Sunday. Uh, but if you can get him as a coach, you might, you might like that. Um, now the Titans have tightened up as their motto. What, what are the lions? What is the lions motto? Well, I have the one pride, um, I really liked when they, so who was the guy I brought on again? I can't remember. Bill Keenis. So he was the Lions PR director for so long. They had, when Barry Sanders was drafted that first year, they started a new campaign called Restore the Roar. I'd like to see that come back, Restore the Roar. That actually sounds pretty cool. Can you, can you give us a roar, Arnie? I mean, I can't do it anything like the Lions, but uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and want you splice that in there because I'll just be embarrassing like I always do on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, the one thing I like about your your podcast, among other things, is and, I, and I've told you this is uh, not only are you full of information, 
uh, but you're real. And, and, and I've told you, you and I are football nerds and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, first of all, but I agree. It's, we have something that's a passion, and we speaking of that at the Sports History Network, we're looking for more nerds. So if any of your listeners are wanting to start their own podcast, tell them to get in touch with us, and we'll help them out. And keep in mind, the Big Bang Theory made nerds cool, so we're cool. <laughs> there you go, for <laughs> at least for a little while. At least for a little while. So, guys, uh, not only uh, should you subscribe to this, you need to also subscribe to our flagship uh, program, the football, uh, football and history dude podcast. And while you're at it, give them a thumbs up. And Arnie, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yes. Thank you very much, Jeremy. I'll tell you, tighten up. Cause yes, I am looking for King Henry to roar next year. Well, let's hope so. Hey, do you, do you got a prediction for this year's Super Bowl? Um, I was just on with Oz last night and I said, okay, it's hard for me to predict that the chiefs can't win again and repeat. But then I also, I'm going to tell you every single play, every team, and then you can splice in whichever one wins. That is what we call <laughs> Nostradamus right there, folks. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Jeremy. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.